Sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation. My name is Noel. I'm not Johnny Destructo, who's not here today. Um, however, he is your normal host, and he is the owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Manion, Philadelphia. With me this week is Len the Bat Tribble, who wants to thank Deke Animation Studios for getting him through the holiday weekend with old Inspector Gadget cartoons. Len, take it away. I was watching Inspector Gadget. And I loved it. Sure, all the episodes were basically the same. They ended, started the, the same, ended the same. But I didn't care. I was enjoying it and having a good time. So, thank you, Deke. Were you talking about the theme song? <laughs> the opening theme song was the same and the closing credits were the same every week? I, I think the plot was the same every single episode. Oh, if only it was yeah. just the theme song. <laughs> Um, also with me today is Brian Lieb, who also wants to thank a different Deke of Deke's Barbecue here in Manion, uh, Pennsylvania. Manion, PA. Yeah. It, uh, it's a town, not a city. Either way. Um, who, for their spectacular customer service, Brian, would you like to elaborate yeah. on Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I, I waited uh, longer than I should have to arrange some Thanksgiving dinner cooked by somebody other than myself. And uh, all the meals were for, like, a lot of people. They're very expensive, right? But I had seen a sign at Deke's Barbecue. It said Thanksgiving dinner. I went in. I was like, I would like to a couple of those. She was like, oh, we'll see if we can accommodate you. And then told her assistant, take that sign down. Because it was, like, two days before Thanksgiving. But they could accommodate me. They even, uh, you know, they gave me so much food. They gave me a little deal on the price because of some, uh, yeah, little little price jazz because little of this little, little miscommunication that. and they were very cool about it and uh i think we got like we got so many meals out of it for two servings so highly recommended excellent experience at deke's barbecue um yeah for anybody for anybody in the philadelphia greater philadelphia area that listens to the show and or watches us on youtube uh located at uh, youtube.com slash cold pop go um deke's is phenomenal it is one of my favorite places. Uh, I am the only person in this household that likes barbecue. So it's like a special <laughs> treat when it's just like, you got you got your own dinner, right? Because I'm, I'm going to order deets and, and eat in the corner like a, like a little dirt bag. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's the best. Yeah. It's absolutely how does it, how, how doesn't she like barbecue? Yeah. There's so many different I don't, I don't know. types of barbecue. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe it's, maybe it's a topic we'll explore someday. But sure. As of right now, it's just me alone eating ribs. That's fair. In the corner. Yeah. In the aforementioned corner alone. Your rib corner. And you know what? I'm okay with it cool. because they're delicious. Cool. They're just they're so happy. It's just me and my ribs. I don't want to talk to anybody during <laughs> I'll tell you, this turkey you know had a you... little it was like regular Thanksgiving, all the sides and everything. So the it was all all great. The turkey even had like just rib a talk. little bit of barbecue flavor. It was oh. it was phenomenal. Have you had their mac and cheese? I have never been there before. I've, I've mm. driven past it on the way to Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Manion, Pennsylvania, uh, many, many times. <laughs> but uh, I never stopped in. Welcome, welcome to Rib Talk. Yes, <laughs> baby, ba- baby back or spare? What are you guys thinking? Hmm? Hmm? Well, you know what? Real quick, just to stay on the deep, the deep uh-huh. train. 
No, I'll be on that Deeks train. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been to the restaurant. The, the the food is delicious. But I have to say, the first time that I had Deeks was in the Maniunk area of Philadelphia, because I refuse to call it just a town. It's yeah. part of Philadelphia. Yeah, it's Philadelphia. It, um, they had a food truck like day or something. And Deeks has a food truck that was there. And I got there, it was like a an Italian sausage. So it was a barbecued Italian sausage with their French fries. I don't know. Something about the barbecue grease that they made their <laughs> fries in or something. I don't know. But those were some of the best fries. And plus, I love myself a good Italian sausage I've ever had. I enjoyed it so much that I remember eating it, walking to JD's as I was eating it, Turning back around before I got to JD's and buying <laughs> another one because I had eaten it all by the time I got to the door. I was like, yo, I have to have this again. It was so effing nice. good, nice. man. Now, uh, we, JD, well, I promise we will talk about comics. Uh, J- JD says he would not like to thank me for not bringing any uh, Deke's barbecue. So, um, noted. I will not respond in any way. But... I can't, uh, you know, I would type something out in the comments here to you, JD, but uh, for some reason I can't. There's no ability for me to do that. Oh, yeah, you don't have you don't have the power. Yeah. So we're just gonna pretend. To cool. Anyway, um, so we are we we're gonna do we're gonna have a, a little bit of a different structured show today. We're gonna talk about just a few books, a couple of thunder rounds. We're gonna get into our book club review, um, Seven to Eternity by Rick Remender and Jerome Pena. But we're also gonna do like a quick, truncated, fun time gutter talk today. You know, because we're down one man, so we figured we would just do the comics real quick because the holiday weekend, and then have an uh, uh, an old school gutter talk conversation. So, uh, before we get into all of that, though, we do have letters. A letter. We have letters. We've got a letter. We've got letters. Singular. A letter. Singular letter. One letter that was already mentioned in the in the comments, I believe. Uh, Which letter so is it brought to us? Ca- to be uh, fair, this, is- this one letter has lots and lots and lots and lots of letters Ooh. in it. It's got, it's got two letters in it. Uh, so every time that uh, Saint Saucy actually says, "Did you get my my email?" I don't know if it's ever the right email because he often sends more than one. So we're gonna go with this one. Um, so I'm all for small businesses. My shop and I, the sh- my shop I go to is a private owner, not a corporate chain. Even though he started out as one, basically he took over the store and had to keep the name till the lease ended. But Saturday I drove an hour. One way to a shop I had visited twice as I was just getting into comics. Might have been once. In my mind, I had built up the place to be a comic book mecca. All other stores should travel <laughs> should travel there on a yearly basis and pay homage to its greatness. But, woof. Either it had fallen into despair or it never really was that great to begin with. Narrow aisles, no organization, shelving fixtures standing on ends in the middle of the store. It was just a disappointment, as as was another store in the area that I had never been to before, but had heard great things about. Have any of you ever experienced anything like this? Now, bef- there's two questions in here, so I'll, I'll let that one sit. Think about it for a second. I'll read the second half. This is explicitly for Len. Len, I know you stick mostly to trades, but I want to just I want to say you miss out on the extremely satisfying sensation of letting issues build up, but then tapping them. Closed. What? Tapping them closed and filling away in the very short filing boxes. Away. Filing them away in the very short boxes. Even just assembling your own bags and boards is just a simple, relaxing task. Do you miss that, Len? 
Uh, no. Um, because when I was collecting comic books, when I started collecting comic books as a young buck, there weren't really any bags and boards. Or if they were, they weren't introduced to me because my my family, my parents didn't introduce me to comic collecting. I just fell into comic collecting. And the guys around my, in my, around my way, we would buy comic books and we would just stack them wherever we did. I remember one day my mom coming into my room as mothers do. This is a, this, okay, this is, this, uh, this parent talk for all you young kids. This is what your parents will do. They will come into your room and say, you know what? It was time to redo your room and, you know, change around the, the furniture or they want to paint your room. No, that's just their excuse so they can get into your room to see what's going on, what you've been up to. So my mom on one of her, she did this about twice a year, excursions into painting my room, came into my room upset to realize that I had taken all of the clothes that were supposed to be nicely folded into my uh, dresser drawer and had, in my estimation, kept them just as nicely folded underneath my bed <laughs> to make a place for me to stack my comic books. I, I, I thought they would look, my comic books look better in the drawer than my clothes. Say that to say, I, so much to say, I never got into the, the habit of bagging and boarding. I never, I never dug that. That was never pleasurable for me. What actually is more pleasurable for me is actually having shelves where I can see my comics, where I can see the spines of my comics. And that's what actually drew me into wanting, making the shift over to trades because I don't like the idea of them being boxed. I don't like the idea of me having to go lift up a box and then pulling out, pulling out issues and all of that. I like having them nicely uh, decorated uh, on shelves and being proud of, you know, showing off that I am a comic book collector, not having them in boxes that have been stored away for people to either not ever see or possibly trip over. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a weird um, I'm in a weird place in my reading habits. So I I genuinely love reading in issues, but to your point too, I, I don't I don't love having boxes of things everywhere. I'd prefer to have spines. So I've, I'm trying to shift my reading habits to only getting the issues of things that I know need support. So indie comics and and creator owned stuff, and then you know. The big two stuff that I could wait for trade I, I or, or omnibus, I, I might just start doing that. But it's a slow progress. And when it comes to bagging and boarding, I don't find that pleasurable. <laughs> I do it. I do it for the stuff that I know that I'll either resell or want to keep for long periods of time. But other stuff just kind of stays in this. As you can see on the top over here, it just kind of stays in stacks until I, I you know, spend a day going through all of them. It's not. I, it's not. Like, I, I get it. I get the uh, the the almost OCD like pleasure of putting things in their place. It's just my itch isn't scratched with, with long boxes and, uh, and vaccine boards. Now, no, do you find, um, are you at a point where you no longer want the kind of that ongoing experience from the big two, you know, that's actually, that's my struggle. Right. I actually, okay. I prefer reading them like that, especially hero comics. So like to keep up with stuff, what, you know, like the, yeah, I mean, I, mean yeah. I think 
I think the some of the pleasure of, of comic books is that the immediacy of them. It's it's monthly, if not weekly or biweekly kind of store, sequential storytelling. Yeah. It's it's pulp. Yeah. So superhero comics, absolutely, I prefer to read them mm-hmm. in issues because you get that kind of like it's, it's the ongoing story. Those are your windows into right, the world yeah, as it progresses. If it's, if they're done right, they're supposed to be sequential chunks into a larger story that you play along with over time. If you just read it, if you just binge it, it's not the same experience. It's just like watching a television show versus watching uh, binging a show on Netflix. Those shows on Netflix aren't constructed to be weekly serials. They're constructed to be like a 12-hour movie. Like, like that you it's talk just, or think a, about in the middle of the story. Where is it going to go? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's they're different experiences. So I, I do prefer single issues. It's just... I mean, we're talking about space sure, and care sure. more than anything else. Like as I get older, it's more about how do I want to use space, mm-hmm. and that's with that's with spines and books versus boxes and storage. Well, I know? think the display thing is a really good point. Like I found myself thinking, I, I forget if it was during stuff that we were reading or whatever, you know, so something I might not normally pick up. Like, oh, I want to get the issues of this, and then I thought, but at the end of it. it was, I'd rather have it sitting on my bookshelf. I keep looking at it. You can't see that, but I'm looking at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, it, the, there's the fun of, I remember going through, so I never had them bagged and boarded, but they're all they're all put in, in long boxes, you know, or the bulk of my collection is in long boxes. And I remember it would happen very rarely, but on the occasions when you would have, have some reason to go through it. Now, mine are not alphabetized or organized in any way. So it would just kind of be this like, you go through and ah, I remember this one from the from the late nineties. This was going on in my life, and I loved this story, and you know, or whatever. Uh, and that's a fun experience. But uh, you're right; they're kind of just like this monolith, this like white monolith of boxes that just looks yeah. like a bunch of cardboard boxes. Even though you know you've got some real cool stuff in there, it's not. It doesn't look that cool, you know. I've over the last like two two years or so, as I've been growing the collection behind me of like repurposing stuff into into spines or or selling off and and gaining, I get that same feeling now just going through the shelf though. So like every night, every night I read something before I go to bed. It's usually like I'll, I'll be going through a tome of something or or a reread, or even just stuff that I skipped in the past. I'll stand here in front of my shelves for like ten fifteen minutes and just kind of have have a moment of like, oh man, that would be cool. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll. Maybe this one. Yeah. Like, I'll have that same experience, but it's really just, like, perusing spines. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it happens like with books or... Yeah. Yeah. And whatever you um, read, the, whatever format you first read it in, that's what you attach the memories to, so... Yeah. yeah. I, I, You know what? It's, it's... I guess there's just no right answer. Now, hmm. do you guys have any kind of experience with a shop that seemed poor or... You know, the only the only thing that in, even in, in memory. I, I don't have that experience, luckily uh, enough. But the only thing that that comes close to is going back into a place where you were when you were a very young kid and everything is very small. You know, um, it, it happened to me with my elementary school is the is the thing that stands out. For some reason, I was there it, like well into my 20s. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is all this is all so miniature. Um that's the only thing that I've got to compare to that. <laughs> I guess it, my comparison would be the difference is going from, you know, any of the comic book shops here in Philadelphia, you know, from JD's Hero Complex, which is definitely, you know, because of its size is, you know, especially its original size when it was almost just like, you know, this this box. Um 
and then going to someplace like Amalgam, which, you know, was always like this big space because it, 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 it lends itself to, you know, you being there and, and staying there and kind of like, you know, setting up shop there. Um, that is, I think there's a space in between the two that comic book stores have grown into over the last few years. You contrast that, though, especially if you're a longtime comic book shopper in the Philadelphia area, by if you still take the trip down to 20th and Chestnut and go to the, the original Fat Jack's Comics Crypt, which is definitely built for that old school comic book collector. They've got the new stuff. They've got the weeklies, but they still 70, got the long boxes. At least 70% of their store is their back issue bins. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it, 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 I don't get there near as often as I used to because it's not my, it's no longer like my main comic book store. But even when I have, when I have gone there, you don't see the guys back there in the back issues any no. too much anymore. You know, it, that's it, that's just an old school mentality, mm-hmm. and um, that while it's not a depressing store, it's not a depressing store at at all. It definitely has a an older feeling, and it doesn't feel as inviting because of that. Lynn, are the windows yeah. blacked out? In that store, because I, w- I was at a comic book store once where I, and Wait, I was like, I know why you're I doing mean, this, but it also kind of gives a, <laughs> a strange it's vibe. It's also creepy. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I will tell you, too. Every time that I try and, and my 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 wife is so amazing to let me do that. Well, not let me. She just she supports it. Every single time we travel, no matter where we're going, I will look and see if there's a comic shop in the area. Yeah, same here. Yeah. And just visit it. So, sometimes if, if I like it, I'll buy something. But but seeing the different comic shops across the country is just wild. Some are very antiseptic, very sparse. It's like it's like a pop-up more than it is than like an actually lived-in shop. Some are to the gills, vaulted ceilings, stuff. And, and like and some are little huts. It's just it's it's really great kind of seeing and, and you know, you can probably tell a lot about the the neighborhood or the town you're in based off of what kind of a uh, local retailer or a local comic shop is there because if, if it's really lived in, if it's really full, I'm sure there's readership there. If it's if it looks like it was just kind of plopped in, it's probably just a handful of people with a pull list and everything else that falls under goes on the shelf. Like, it, you know, it's but it, I would I would highly suggest everybody to do that, though. Like it's not it's not a betrayal of your of your comic shop to visit other comic shops just go check them out because everybody is a part of the same network no i have family members my stepmother and and dad like to go to a synagogue whenever they go on vacation they like to visit a yeah. local synagogue just, check it out. just to see what's well, what it, <laughs> it reminds me of it's kind of they're kind of like my synagogue <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not blasphemous at all no. <laughs> a place of teaching Oh, I think oh. Randy just popped in there too. He agrees because um, I know that he tours a lot. Randy Green put on the on the chat. Mm. That's the best. One of the things the most I miss I miss about touring is visiting comic shops. Yeah, you travel around the country, mm. visit comic shops. It's it's so wonderful seeing them. I always considered when I was a kid, I was like, it's not really a mall if it doesn't have a comic store. Like, what is like Podunk thing without a comic store? You know. Uh, but uh, no. could I respond to Randy's uh, about the boxes? He says, I put stickers on my boxes. It gives them character and it makes it easier to remember what's in them. So uh, just a story from my from my past as a naive youth, a boy, 
I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll write on the front of this box the, the names of the comics that are in. I'll write action dash some other thing that started with an A. And <laughs> what a mistake. What a fool I was. And I look at it now. I still got it. It still says action to whatever other comic. And there, that is not <laughs> in any way. If there's a single action comics in there, it's only by mistake. And I'm like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> Uh, Robert Ron Robert Monroe actually uh, uh, commented also. I do that too. Before we moved to our town 16 years ago and we're house shopping, I made a point of checking out local comic book shops everywhere we went. I, it's it's if you if you at least even kind of love the habit because you'll see you'll go to some weird stuff. There's actually one here in Philadelphia. I forget what it's called, but it's it's the one that was featured in in one of the M Night Shyamalan movies. It's it looks it's essentially just a warehouse. Um. Uh, Ontario. It's on. It's on Ontario. Ontario. Yeah. 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 Um, it's 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 like a it's it's like going through somebody's bins, and if you got if you got um allergies, don't go in there. If it, like if it's if it's a hot day, leave it alone. Yeah. But yep. if you've got the resolve, man, you could spend three hours in that place just going through their enormous racks and and back uh, and back issue bins and stuff like you can find gems in a place like that so like i kind of like crazy places like that you know like you well, i'm talking about you don't even know where the register is <laughs> like like you don't even know exactly where to purchase something because everything is just all over kind of wander around with your stack <laughs> yeah like does somebody work here yeah <laughs> i just leave the i actually yeah, I actually de decided I still don't know where I'm going to put this, though, because uh, I have a, a spinner rack that I that actually I think I got from JD. Um, and uh, I have I used to have on that spinner rack all of my back issue magazines. But now I've got a nice place for them. So I was like, all right, well, so what I'm going to put on the spinner rack I have that was gifted to the Black Tribbles, um, all of the first issues of the original Mi uh, Milestone run. So I was going to put them on there and they're all nice and back and boarded. Um, but I decided that what I'm going to do is, you know, maybe I guess I have to go to Fat Jack's or maybe when comic book conventions start again um, in earnest in person, um, I want to start looking for select books from my youth and go and purchase them to like fill out my spinner rack. So can my we, spinner rack is just, just going to be comic book, old comic books from that meant something to me when I was. Can we can we guess some things that you would put in there? Can I? I have a, I have a guess of some stuff that you would put in there. Well, okay, I, I, all right, I, I sure. Guess too, I think that you would put um, maybe a couple random keys of uh, Uncle Scrooge. Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I. Here's the thing. I I did collect Uncle Scrooge, but I mostly collected Uncle Scrooge in um, paperbacks. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't have him because I didn't really have the comic books. And now I've got Fuck this show. Like, <laughs> three. <laughs> I've got three huge Uncle Scrooge omnibus. So I probably wouldn't put Uncle Scrooge there. Um, you gotta I gotta guess. guess they, this is just what popped into my mind first. The first story arc with Ross Al Ghul in Batman. Ah, that's that is a JD's got a guess. Is a very good one. That is a very good one. Uh, JD, JD, JD is spot on. There, <laughs> I, I, uh, that guess is rich. I hate rich, you, JD. By the way, <laughs> I hate you, JD, because 
One of the things that gave me this idea is because I actually have about three <laughs> old Richie Riches bagged and boarded, waiting for this idea to 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 get to come to, come to fruition. So yes, Richie Rich will be on there. Um, the Ra's al Ghul is not going to be that original mm-hmm. arc, but what it is going to be, there was a Treasury oh, edition okay. of Ra's al Ghul's um, meeting with Batman that. I never owned as a youth. Uh, but you always wanted. Because, well, <laughs> I, I didn't because the cover scared uh. me. But <laughs> a real youth, like a baby youth. Like a little yeah, like 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 youth. Like, Ross, like staring at him. <laughs> it, scared, it scared the hell out of me, man. It was Ross I'm going looking down and Robin was dead and Batman was crying. I was like, ah. Um, but uh, I, I would buy that. I would buy oh, that. Oh, can I give you or, or anybody else who's thinking about doing this a bit of advice? I have a rack, too. It's not a spinner rack. It's more like what a magazine uh, would have gone on. And I, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, went so out of my way to try to find hard cases to put comics on, right? Because over time, yeah. you know, you get the two little indents where those things are. And I did bend, find yeah. some, but not as easy as I thought. And they weren't even, I was expecting kind of like a, like a, like a thing that would close around the book, like a snap closed case. Couldn't find anything like that, but I did find something no, that's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you yeah. like slide it in and it's got my I, yeah, I just, back. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know what? That makes me think about slabs, though. What do you guys feel about those? I don't want to not be able to get into them, but if I could buy the slabs and then like open and close them, I'd do that. You know? Oh, that defeats the purpose of. I know. of yeah. So I, I do own two that I just kind of acquired through like mm-hmm. buy sell trades. Yeah. And I've been like mildly thinking about doing it just to protect stuff yeah. that I want to invest like some some firsts and some keys i mean for you especially because you have a lot of stuff in in omnibuses and trades and whatever that would yeah you know, like, like you I, can still read the story elsewhere what like one of the, one of the slabs that i have is the first appearance of um jessica cruz um which which i you know like fingers crossed gets any kind of value when the hbo show comes out but but I have that stuff collected. So like it's not like the accessibility to the issue is not really a thing. It's more like having display of an important, important event. But um, speaking of important events, do you guys want to actually talk about comics now? The ones that came like some that came out this week. The ones that, the <laughs> ones that came out this week, not just our not just our sick collecting habits that, that others uh, approve of. The ones, the ones that JD is off screen hollering at us to get to. Sure. <laughs> so, so the first thing that we're going to talk about today is the other history of the DC universe, number one, written by John Ridley, with uh, layouts by Giuseppe Camacoli, and finishes by Andrea Cucci. Diamond has this to say. Actually, it's not Diamond anymore. Solicits have this to say. Academy Award-winning screenwriter John Ridley examines the mythology of the DC Universe in this compelling new miniseries that reframes iconic moments of the DC history and charts a previously unexplored sociopolitical thread as seen through the prism of DC superheroes who come from traditionally disenfranchised groups. I read this early, uh, like two days early, um, because uh, JD was able to get... Uh, we read it early. It was... It, I. It, I appreciated having the extra time to get through this book because it's not really in the solicits. It is written in a prose style. Mm-hmm. So this, this very much is um, 
like a history book that we've we've seen in comics before the history of the dc universe the history of the marvel universe they're essentially prose um pieces throughout lay, uh, art layouts so the title should have told me that i should have <laughs> like i should have known that but then when i opened it i was just like oh this is like just this is just like reading a book with art i didn't make that but then it, like so you just said that now the history of the DC that's what i mean like yeah, it's I didn't put that together duh yeah it's a history of book that they, right. they've got, you know, a plethora of these over the course of, of the big two and just like comic books in general. So as soon as that kind of clicked, it, it was it was a it was a much better reading experience for me. But it, I got to tell you, it was a little bit of a shock. And I put it down a couple of times. This is not a binge through read. This is like a cut of like five or six issues to a certain point in the character's life. And then I was like, I'm going to walk away for a second. Like I. I. I, I I appreciated the extra time to read this issue this this week because it was a heavy read. It was a dense read, but those aren't inherently bad things. I'm just glad I had more time to read it. And with that, I, I, I loved it. I, I enjoyed loved it. it. I enjoyed it too. I'm going to, I'm going to get my one small gripe out of uh, on it out of the way. And this is a gripe that maybe I don't have if I have the physical copy, which I definitely um, will be getting once it's all collected in a trade. But um, uh, my one small gripe is that the the lettering in the book, I felt was a little small. And now, and that it, and reading it on a digital, and that might just be, if I could, you know, in the you know, because I'm reading it digitally and it's, you know, therefore is looking a little smaller. It's also even more than it normally would be because the rate aspect ratio of the book is more square. So Pre- it comes yes. out smaller. Pre- yeah. Prestige plus. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It, it's not so, a digital read. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It, uh, right. It doesn't lend itself really to being read digitally. So that's my one gripe. And I'm going to be 100% honest that it is a very small gripe about this about this book because in every other shape and form this book was fantastic i enjoyed it i unlike noel had an idea of what i was in for when i heard heard the title um and i appreciated it because um as much as you may want to gripe with the whole other aspect of it the history of dc universe because this is you know you know what do you mean other this is still you know the history of the dc universe i'm not i'm not going to go down that well i'm not going i'm not going to uh take that bait i'm just going to enjoy it for what it is and for what it was was just an amazing story of a hero who I honestly didn't give that much regard to um, outside of the way that he was the character was stolen by Hanna-Barbera for Super Friends. Um, I really didn't give two Fs about Black Lightning. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was kind of cool to be out there. Um, it was only in learning more about his history, learning more about the history of the creators of the character and then seeing other people with a more enlightened view do things with the character that he even began to resonate for me. Um, But reading this history of the character of Black Lightning and knowing how tightly this history coincides with 
the actual origin of Black Lightning just tells me, it, it gives me a whole new regard for him because Black Lightning is Batman. That is what he is. That is what he is. And he is Batman in the truest sense because he is a man who made the most of himself because he wanted to be the most of himself, not just because he was trying to avenge what happened to him. And I thought that was just one one of several fascinating and amazing aspects to come out of this. It's a great book. There's a really good there's a really good um, underlying through line for this whole issue or his whole, st- I should say his whole story, because I think that this series is supposed to be an anthology. Like the next issue, I don't, I don't think it's going to be about Jefferson Pierce, but um, there is a really interesting conversation about the perception of black excellence in this book. Not only the expectations he puts on himself from jump, wanting to like beat scores of Olympians, wanting to, to push and push and push and be the best that ever was. And, the damage that that gives him or the damage that that sows in his personal life. But then also just the, the idea of even when you're in this kind of process of, of needing to be the best ever by virtue of just your appearance, um, you other, even, even your, your, your allies, like his impression of, of uh, Vixen and his impression of John Stewart, in those years while he was like in the thick of trying to just deal with himself is so fascinating. Like he's like, John Stewart's an arrogant prick and and this person's like this and she's stupid for doing that. And hell no, I won't join your justice league bullshit. Like it was really fascinating because in a, a lot of under with a, with a less, uh, talented writer, I think that it would come off as almost unlikable. But it's so well done and it's so well kind of layered that he's never unlikable, even though he does unlikable things uh, like narratively things that you're supposed to like appreciate about a hero. He does the opposite in a lot of ways because you get to hear his inner thoughts about because he's the 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 prose of this book is is um it's all first person perspective past tense. So he's telling it, uh, you know, at some other time. So you're getting his omniscient thoughts of what's going on in the moment. And they're not all great like no they're not which is it's just such a wonderful fascinating read too because again under other under other less careful hands it would come off as well this guy sounds like a prick but i also appreciated that his inner monologue sounded truly like inner monologue sometimes inner monologue comes off sound still sounding like you know like john steinbeck wrote it you know (laughs) what i mean but this actually still sounds like jefferson pierce giving you a window into his, you know, his real thoughts, his real feelings, um, his real emotions, his real perceptions, his, his real um, uh, uh, fascinations on things. I appreciate it. You know, I actually appreciated his read on John Stewart because, you know, I think that, you know, it's a it's a read that it, from as a black man. You definitely could have of John Stewart. Actually, to be fair, was a read that I had of John Stewart for a long time. Which um, aspects of that, like uh, the the substitute hero part, or his like general character? Because how just the, substi- yeah. the, the substitute hero mm-hmm. part of uh, of it, you know, um, and you know, also, and this is 
no fault of the characters, it's fault of the 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 company in which the character was created, you know, the their disregard for that character's point of view about being the substitute. You know what I mean? There's a reason why Jon Stewart doesn't really show up the rest of the time. There's a reason why, you know, even though Jon Stewart was still very much there, the substitute Green Lantern, they still went and found Guy Gardner. They still went and found, found you know, uh, Kyle, Rat, you know, whatever, Kyle Radner or whatever the hell his name was. You know what I mean? Um, JD's stewing right now, like, there, there's, there's, By the there's time a, Kyle there's, but there's a disregard out. for his point yeah. of view. There's a disregard for his point of view and for his actual being that is uh, um, that Jefferson Pierce's initial, you know, reaction to John Stewart speaks to, and I and I appreciated that. I, I liked and I and I thought that that was a very nuanced approach to to have, and especially because later on you know, he reconciles himself with it as well. Um, I just thought this was a very, a very smart book. And it, again, it is the other side of the history. There are historical moments that happened in this book that actually did take place in the comics. And it, but you never, for one reason or another, were allowed to see the character's inner thoughts, his perspective on it. And now you, you, you are, and I think it's very enlightening and it is so well done. And we haven't even touched on the art. This book is beautiful. This is, this is a fucking I, gorgeous I, book. Uh, so um, JD actually, he's throwing in some stuff here. Like uh, he wished that, where is it? Giuseppe Camicoli didn't actually do the art. He did the layouts and someone else came in and did finishes. Um, and he wishes that it would have been Giuseppe Camicoli the whole time. Um, I kind of figured that that would be the case because Cam and Coley is, is on a monthly already. And I don't know what their lead in was for this book. There's, I, there's no way that he would have been able to do something this intense at the same time as keeping up with a monthly schedule. Cause he's the, he's the artist for, he's the sole artist for, um, undiscovered country. Oh, which is an intensely so, drawn book. That's it is an intensely drawn book yeah. and it has never been late. Yeah. Like for, for a creator owned book, it's, it's always there. So yeah, I, I kind of figured that that would be the case. And then I saw it, but, um, I loved the art as well. I loved the layouts, which is him. Uh, but he also mentioned something interesting here about, uh, he thought it was strange that it wasn't a modern take, but personally, I think that you, I guess you needed it to not be a modern take because he had to lay this origin across the, uh, the idea of, of all of these, um, Historical events. Yeah. And it kind of parallels the, like, these historical events, uh, DC historical DC events, historical took, place took place over the course of Black Lightning's Black Lightning, actual, actual real world, real world you know, like, like character like, development. And it, like, these are, these are there, there's, a there's a meta element, meta element to the story, to the story that, that if you use stuff from the New 52 or, or Rebirth or whatever, wouldn't really layer really on like they weren't treating the character in that way at that time you know that kind of thing um and so i so i had kind of well, i was forewarned by noel he sent out in the in the chat he was like hey guys leave yourself enough time for history the other history of the dc universe and um i and i 
sort of did, but I read it, uh, I forget, like, you know, Wednesday or whatever, whenever it was. I started it, and I was like, whoa, this is like a prose thing. <laughs> Let me, uh, I don't, you know, I just want to, like, breeze through something else real quick. Because for whatever reason, you know, like, novels are novels, and when they do a lot of prose in comics, sometimes it can, it can bog me down. But then I picked it up last night, already with that kind of, like, all right, this is going to be, this is going to be lengthy to get through. And it was just, I was just like flowing through it. It was, you know, once I kind of just like got into that style that it is in fact more of an illustrated uh, book, basically. Um, it was so well told that, that I, I didn't find myself held up at all. Um, and I like the, the getting to see this against the, the, the actual history of the DC universe, like not the incontinuity history, but the real uh, way that these stories played out. Like the using John Stewart's having destroyed, um, well, he didn't really destroy it. He just, I always felt he got a little bit of a bad rap on that one, but he just like didn't save it. But that also happened well before I was reading comics. So I would only read like about John Stewart's struggles with having done, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, right, destroyed a planet. A planet destroyed on his, on his watch, watch yeah, more yeah. or less, during the um, the miniseries Cosmic yeah. Odyssey, which was. Now I'm trying to. It started with an X. Zant, what was that? What was the name of that planet? Uh, don't right. ask me, it, it, Randy. It's cool. What was the name of that planet? <laughs> uh, but I thought that that was great. I thought you know you don't hear about that a lot anymore, but I thought it really worked in con- the context of this story to um, be one of the turning points in Jefferson Pierce's view of John Stewart that like seeing it humanized him in, in Pierce's view, you know, um, the, speaking of the layouts, I, uh, I really like the, what they have done. This is a common thing in comics, but the way that they have presented the first appearances of Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman, um, you know, it's very common to show the covers of their first appearances as kind of their in universe early appearances. And they did that here. But they did it in a really cool way where you don't see much of it. You just see like kind of a sliver of Batman. But if you know what Detective 27 looks like, you're like, oh, that's the cover of Detective 27. And same with Wonder Woman. Um, and, uh, and, and with the Justice League also, I think that's, I believe, all of the different, or at least Flash and Green Lantern are in their sort of poses. Zanshi! Oh, thank you. That is the planet. In case anybody doesn't recognize that word that I just screamed out. That is the planet that John Stewart uh, was unable that's, to. That's save. my yeah. That that's that's a it's a that's a neural condition. I just yelled Zanshi. Zanshi. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Zanshi. This was this was this was an amazing. I this was um. I'm glad I had this book this week. Hmm. Right, like it was a it was a quieter week because of the holiday. Wasn't really doing family things, and just having this kind of issue to pour over for over the course of like two days, as opposed to. Hmm. So, you know, in between a bunch of other superhero yeah, comics, it was a good, like was event, great. like a special kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that you often get yeah. around the holidays. And and I I'm very much looking forward to whatever the next character is. So I uh, throughout the course of a bunch of, of this issue, he does interact with a handful of other um, uh, characters of color in the DC universe. If I like, I don't know where this is going, but I know it's an anthology series. I would absolutely adore it if we get to see the other perspectives mm. of those same events with some of these characters. Like, is there going to be a John Stewart issue I would uh, where you're true. seeing his 
perspective, is there going to be a Vixen issue? Um, I think I read somewhere that there's going to be a Renee Montoya issue who mm. wasn't born during this. So that'll probably be just like mm. later on. But still, like this is this is great. I would highly suggest. I would highly recommend this. Yeah, the fact that they give the years, yeah, just, I think, I, I think it implies that it will be forward. Oh, are they going to deal with crisis in this? Well, I th- I think that that I don't know if they're going to deal with crisis. I mean, because technically, crisis happened in the midst of this book because crisis technically took place in 1985. I mean, I don't know where they say what year it took place in the um in in the DC universe but it technically took place in 1985 and this book starts that it's from 1972 to 1995 so it's kind of a pre-crisis history too you've got like a lot of homages to the first appearance of the justice league but also they mm. you could you could get around it but the way that they sit, talk about the introduction of superman and that kind of thing it really sounds like there weren't superheroes before this which would be you know, Earth One pre-crisis. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they definitely. Um, and just to your point, uh, B, about how they he showed the first appearances of Soups, who is full screen, even though you do you get the, the slither of Wonder Woman and, and Batman. Uh, he also does an homage to the classic Neil Adams cover with the first appearance of John Stewart. Mm, yeah. Um, because th- that you and that is full blown. It's almost like a recreation of that scene uh it even looks similar in the the art style looks like it's the same yeah, as that yeah, one. It, yeah i mean it 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 it, it, you, it could maybe even be like a you know like a, a copy yeah. like a trace yeah. of it is it's so spot on um but what i what i really um liked was some of the social commentary like how he was an olympic you know, athlete, um, gold medal athlete at the Olympics where there was drama, where there were the, um, oh, I just, I just had it because it's the one, 1972, I believe, um, where, boom, there we go. For, yeah. Uh- yeah. For uh, Munich, the, the yeah Munich, Munich, and you had the 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 the, the Israeli athletes who were who, who were killed. Um, and even though this is you know it's comic book history, you know what I'm saying. But you know there were some black athletes who were the champions to come out of that Olympics. But all you know of those Olympics are what happened to the Israelis and what happened and Mark Spitz, you know, and, and then, and his truism is true. They, they return to America and they're still, you know, still trying to, to, to find themselves. Um, yeah, that, I like, I, there's no, so much about this book is so much. So that's good, man. that's such a good point, and that's something that wasn't lost to me when I was reading it too. The idea that he strove most of his life at that point to make a certain record, beat it, but still is considered like middle, of, like fifth page news because of everything else mm-hmm. that was happening, and all it did was fuel his internal anger more. Uh, the thing with the costumes, uh, there was a couple of costume moments that I thought were cool where. Uh, the kid showing up on Halloween, and he's got and he's dressed as Black Lightning. That's so cool. It's really cool. And um, and then at the end, the final scene of the book with the costume, I thought was a cool uh, 
just like a good note to go out on and and an interesting choice. So uh, we wanted to get right into the to the book club or review, but um, there were a couple of things, other things we read this week. Now I'll give Mm -hmm. you guys real time response, considering we went a little over with the letters and then the other history. Do you want to do quick thunder rounds of the books that we read? And then we'll talk about book club review. Or do you want to do super thunder rounds with 30 second reviews of the three other books that we read? If you're willing to, and then we'll do the book club three minutes or, or six minutes or, one and a half minutes. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I say the first comment that we get, if it happens within the next 10 seconds, we do that. You say one. Or You're the all other. about democratizing. It's not democratizing. There's only one vote. Like, <laughs> it's whoever gets in there first. Well, I mean, it's... All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Then let me ask you, Noel. What do you want to well, do? Are you, are you vamping for like six more seconds? Yeah. Waiting for somebody to say but anything. But nobody said anything. So their chance is gone. Noel, what do you want to do? <laughs> Uh, let's just do 30 second reviews. I, I figured these three books, we can probably get at it. What do you say? Thunder Who wants to do what? Let me do so scumbag. So we've got three books. We've got, you, you want to do scumbag? Yeah. You got it. All right. Let me get my timer ready. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on. I would have had this ready, mm. but, but I did But then oh. other things happened <laughs> instead of getting it ready. And That's right. here it is. Like we lost our feed. Yeah. And <laughs> whenever, whenever, when, are you ready? I'm ready. And go. Uh, so this was a lot of fun. I re- we read the first issue. I thought it was fun. Didn't really... I probably wouldn't have picked up the second issue. I think, if anything, this one was even more fun. This, like, ratcheted it up to 150%, you know? Um, the story's been established. This guy... Uh, I forget what his real name is, but the basically titular scumbag. It was good. <laughs> what? Five. Ah! I thought it was done already. Anyway, I liked it. The whole antagonistic plot is good too, but I won't get into it. You're done. (laughs) End of round. Thunder round. Nice. Nicely done. (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I I uh, I agree. Like, um, I was uh, maybe halfway through this book and thought, oh, this might be a Rick Remender book that isn't for me. I don't know if I can handle this guy the whole time. But then as soon as they introduce like the bigger plot and and how weird he gets with essentially troll culture on the Internet and turns them into villains. I was like, okay, I'm in. This is cool. And he was even more deal withable. This this issue He's not any less of a of a jackass, but for whatever reason. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the book a lot. I'm worried though because I know that this book is purposefully going to have each issue drawn by a different artist. So I'm wondering like how that's going to play sto- story wise because this is decidedly different from the first issue, the art style, and it's good art. I, mm-hmm. I, I loved it, but it is so radically different that I kept. Th- when I opened it up, I didn't know that that was the conceit of the book. So I'm thinking, oh, so it's going to turn back to the uh-huh. original artist on this page. Oh, not on this page. <laughs> oh, so this is where we're going. All yeah. right, it's cool. Yeah, there's um, a, thank God I like the art. So it's a real it's a real danger too because I thought so. I knew that it was going to be a different artist every every issue. I didn't know it would be a direct continuation every issue, which is which is dangerous if you want to have like consistency of storytelling. But I. I presume that Rick Remender knows that because if he's, if he's good at anything, it's picking artists. 
Like if you look at all of his creator own book and the artists that he kind of pulled out of obscurity, it's just insane from Jerome Opinion to, I mean, Tony Moore had a career beforehand, but like, you know, really getting out there, um, Greg Tacchini, uh, Matteo Scalera, like he knows artists. So I'm, I'm hoping that he understands you need to kind of at least keep the thread. It can't just be wildly different every time. I'll, to be honest with you, I didn't. I, I didn't even realize it. I mean, we haven't read it for a month, but I think the the main guy is drawn. Is his name Ernie? Something like that. Ernie, yeah, Ernie. is yeah. is drawn uh, in a different style, but he looks like the same guy. Like he's kind of drawn in the same it's way in a different think, style. You know the, what I mean? I think the coloring, the colorist, is the same too. That which helps it. That, that goes helps. a long way. Yeah. <laughs> Either either way, this was better than I expected it to be, and I'm really looking forward to how it goes. Sweet. But um, uh, Len, which one do you want to do? Uh, Department. I will do kaiju, kaiju score. score. You son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was kind of hoping to poop on this one myself. Oh, <laughs> Let's get your timer and go. Well, I don't know what Noel was thinking. I had fun with this stupid comic book. It's stupid. It's about these guys planning a, a heist timed for the attack of a kaiju, which is a huge monster. And they want to take advantage of this monster's, you know, uh, impending doom that it's going to inflict on the city so that they can f- fire up this conflict, make this, this uh, crime heist happen. And it's a cool idea. End it's of round. Well thought out. It's, and it's funny. funny. End of round. I, I oh, liked nice. it. Oh, nice. You, you, you can take a dump, dump on it if you want. Man, no. It, but it's, it's I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take like a dump on it. I just thought that. The, I thought that the um, the concept was awesome. I hated the art, and I didn't uh, like any of the characters. <laughs> The idea, well, and also, too, I don't think you're a, supposed to like the characters, though. Well, no, I mean, like, not even in an anti-hero way. You didn't just like, like reading all about them. Cliches. <laughs> if it's if it was supposed to, if it like it's supposed to be crazy, and the and the the you know the idea of it is crazy. These people aren't even successful caricatures. They're just like plot contrivances. You know, like you've got a safe cracker. You've got a this. Like, make them weird. Make them crazy. Do something. But I don't really care for any of them yet. So hopefully the second issue will like cover that ground because this was really just all set up. See, I found myself thinking like, if you're into kaiju, this is this is one of those books where it's like, yeah, if you've always been in this world, you might think like, whoa, what would this be like in a world with kaiju? I have not always been in that world. You know, I'm like, I'm I don't really care about the giant monster kind of genre. Um, so I I found myself not really, you know, like the possible permutations of a real life existence that just takes place in a world with Kaiju, but isn't focused on them. It didn't really grab me as much as that would for say, like a superhero story that, you know, based around something similar, like, uh, but yeah, so I I probably wouldn't read this. There's a, there's a, um, this reminded me of like two really terrible cheesy action movies. One that came out a while ago, one that was pretty recent, um, hard rain, with Morgan, oh. with Morgan Freeman and Christian Slater, so essentially, oh, that's not what I'm thinking of. It was just it was just a heist during a, a hurricane, and the dam was about to break. So it was just mm. like things happening during the rescue efforts, and then you know, plucky Christian Slater or whatever. And the other one was is called Hurricane Heist. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Where they steal a hurricane from somebody. 
It's yes, they steal a hurricane. <laughs> no, they they plan yeah. they plan a heist during a hurricane, or maybe the heist gets interrupted by a hurricane. I don't care. Yeah, it just Something wasn't like very good. But it was just <laughs> it's it. The movie wasn't good because look, I like trash. You're talking to uh, a fan of Fast and Furious. I like garbage, but it's got to be good garbage that knows it's garbage. When you start taking yourself absolutely seriously in earnestness, then it's just it's just sad. This kept riding the line for me. Like, oh come on, if you're gonna be fun, just be fun. Stop it. Like, stop it. Like, it's when they like you could take it seriously without being boring. And I, See, I, I didn't. I didn't think. Th- I didn't think this took itself too seriously. I thought it, it. It played fair there. I will agree with you though that the art take some getting used to and i don't i don't know if i necessarily fully got used to it i like the book well enough mm-hmm. on its own i don't know if it's a book that i would continue reading but i thought that on its own it's like eh, it was a setup it was, it was kind of cool but the art definitely pulls you out yeah I, this I'm not, I'm, this is gonna be a um an issue two story like there's enough in here that's kind of fun to try mm-hmm. it but i'm not really super excited for the next issue we'll just see all right, um, so which one are you going to do, yeah, Noel? I'm going to do Department of Truth number three. Does anybody else have a timer? Because every time I use my phone, it knocks my headphones I got off. a timer. All right. All right, so which one are you doing? I'm going to do Department of Truth number three by James Tinian ah. IV and Martin Simmons. All right. You have 30 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? Then do it. begin. So this is becoming one of my favorite series. Uh, we've essentially in some way, shape or form covered every issue of it so far, only three, but still <laughs> they keep coming up with new ways to play with the high concept of if enough people believe something, it becomes true. And then there's the department to actually keep the truth, the truth. This is about um, crisis actors and crazy people like Alex Jones telling their lies and what that actually happens when people start believing it. And it was uncomfortable. And it was but it was really good. It was really good. Like it was, it was really, really. That good. was an angle that I hadn't thought of for this book. No. Like, what if the conspiracy that, like, who might be compelled to try to believe in these theories? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, and and the the example given in the book is just so incredibly good too because it's a it's a mother yeah. whose son was killed during a school shooting, and her being inundated with so much media, she starts to doubt herself whether her kids really dead or not. And then because of the concept of this book, where if enough people believe in a conspiracy theory, it becomes true. She starts to get these um, information biases that look real of her kids, actually an actor and he's alive. Here's a videotape of it. And you know, like these, these, this proof of her son not being dead manifests itself. So she becomes almost radicalized in this crazy lie it was wild. I did not expect yeah. this book to go there. Yeah. You know, they're talking about crazy stuff like Satan worshipers and, 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 you know, flat earth. I did not expect it to go immediately huh. into Alex Jones. And the, creepy territory. the people who believe those things are all, you know, the, in the first two issues are like, they're the ones in the wrong to, you know, like they think the earth is flat. They, some of them intentionally want some bad thing to happen, you know, whereas the, the focal character in the story is much more sympathetically believing why she, you know, Mm -hmm. she's kind of almost it at first doesn't want to believe. And then pushes herself to believe it because of the possibility of getting her son back. 
which they then say, you know, the two agents are like, that wouldn't necessarily happen. There are a lot of ways that that story could manifest itself, um, which I thought was narratively interesting. But as a, as a character, she was incredibly sympathetic and um, a, a very interesting choice uh, by Tinian. Yeah, the, the way that it all ends, too, is very unsettling. Like, mm. very. I don't know very. if we're going to see this mother again, mm. but if we do, I don't think she's going to be an ally. Yeah. I agree. It's yeah. very. Yeah. It's a very good. It's a good closing this line. Is becoming one of my for favorite. the for the yeah. story, the final page. Yeah, and I, um, it's a book that the only reason I don't love this book is because of how unsettling and how, the feeling that it gave me. It's like, you know, where we are today in society, it was like almost like. Ugh. I don't need this, man. I don't. I don't. I don't need. I don't need this right now. It, I, it's good stuff. I. I ain't mad at you, but it's just. Woo, woo. Let me go. Let me read about some kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, right, it's man. it's um it's a. Like this is this was another dense read because this this also had um, Martin Simmons' art style is very kind of painterly in a way too. It's not necessarily kinetic. Normally that doesn't work for me, but here it does because they throw a lot of like prose boxes around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a good story it for that me. kind of art. Yeah. You know, it, it really, there's I, a I'm lot of narration, you, in this but one. it's like, it fits the story. So I kind of am like, okay, I'll, I'll get with it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for those of us just joining the second stream of the first stream, <laughs> we had technical issues, got cut in half. JD's actually not here this week. Because uh, he had way too many other things to do, so we're doing our best to not screw it up. But thank you for for mentioning that, for tuning in. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, and I, you missed our. Uh, make sure you watch this from the beginning, so you can see our review of the other history of the DC universe, uh, and you can see JD pop in for a quick little review of Batman Catwoman number. And we have one. a little chat about. And uh, we had yeah, a, yeah go on. Uh, we had a cool conversation uh, about collecting comic books and comic book stores. So definitely check out the first half of our stream. You know, after you finish watching <laughs> this one, what we're yeah, don't do both there. at once. So, it would be confusing. Uh, now, <laughs> speaking of comic book stores, Len, uh, you know, no, last week JD asked me if I had heard enough about Patreon.com, and I told him I would get back to him this week, but he's not here. And what I really want is to hear it from you, No. That's what I need. Well, if you want to support the show, there are very simple ways in which you could do so. The first one you're doing right now. Watch, like, subscribe, comment, hit the notification bell. Any kind of a way to ping the algorithm that we're here and we're having conversations with you is a wonderful way to do so. Down below, you'll see the links, youtube.com slash cultpopgo or facebook.com slash cultpoppodcasts. Have fun with us every weekday, uh, every weekend, Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where usually there aren't this many technical difficulties. Um, another way that you could support the show is by engaging in the Patreon, patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. We will have a different Patreon eventually uh, for, for the show, but this one is a legacy one that we still use. Um, donate whatever you can, if you can, uh, and just kind of hang out with us and, and spread some love. Um, you could also do so by patronizing jd directly uh johnny destructo's hero complex located in uh, philadelphia pennsylvania in the neighborhood of maniunk 4327 main street 
23. You said I think you said 43. I thought it was a 43. It's um. Maybe. There's a website called Google also, and if you guys if just type it in there. Giant instructions here. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I I hope he's still listening, and I hope he's freaking out because I messed up the address. Oh, he definitely of, is. The address is freaking out of the place I go like four times a week. Well, you don't you just walk there. You know you don't need to know the numbers. Yeah, on the front. I don't have to remember right. it. Yeah, I can tell you what it's near. Right. <laughs> It's It's the only comic book shop in Maniunk, ladies and gentlemen. So if you go go to Maniunk and you're in a store that's selling comics, you're in the hero complex. (laughs) True story. Uh, But anyway, yeah, please, again, like and subscribe. We'll talk to you guys. Uh, And I think we could talk about what's on everyone's mind. And that's... This month's book club, which was Brian, what was the name? Oh, of it? that was called Seven to Eternity by Rick. Do you pronounce? I notice you saying it Remender, not Remender. Remender, Remender, as opposed to Remender. Yeah. All right. Uh, I've, I've, so I've I've listened to podcasts okay. and interviews and stuff, and I've never heard Remender. Well, I've never heard it said at all. It's you know the classic like it's just reading something, and that's just the pronunciation that pops into my I, head. And who did the article? I have never heard awesome. him. Um, this is Jerome Opinion. Yeah. I have never heard him correct anyone to say hmm. Remender. Okay. It's Remender. Remender. Yeah, like remember. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, here, you know what? I've got the I've got the solicits. This is Seven to Eternity, Volume One, The God of Whispers, uh, by Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, with art by Jerome Opinion. The God of Whispers has spread an omnipresent paranoia to every corner of the kingdom of Zal. His spies hide in every hall, spreading mistrust and fear. Adam Ositis, a dying knight from a disgraced house, must choose between joining a hopeless band of magic users in their desperate bid to free their world from the evil god or accepting his promise to give Adam everything his heart desires. Writer Rick Remender reteams with collaborators Jerome Pena and Matt Hollingsworth to take you on a hard road through the strange fantasy world of Zal. All men, all men have surrendered their freedom for fear, and now one last free man must choose. It's a weird book. What do you guys think? I liked it. Now, just as as a quick aside, honestly, I was pronouncing it Ositis in my head, and that one I'm going to stick with. Me yeah, too. Yeah. Me I like too. That. Keep it. I, I that was that's one where I wasn't saying anything out loud. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Ositis. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just you. I love it when that happens. You're just like this collection of letters, <laughs> and then you and that's what do you recognize? So I thought it was great. Um, this is a uh, an introduction to a fantasy world that is done very well, and it's kind of a, a frequent talking point on this show, uh, semi-frequent, mm-hmm. that introductions into fantasy worlds can very easily be done not well, you know, where they try to just hit you with, uh, here's encyclopedic knowledge of this world that I've created that I know all about, and it's very cool if you get into it. He doesn't do that at all. There's some text in the beginning that... Um, Kind of it gets you into the character's mindset, uh, but then you start off just in the middle of the story. Uh, this this story that has transpired a while ago. You've got uh, some fantastical kind of elements, but they don't give you any more than you need to keep the story mm-hmm. going. You know, um, and those fantastical elements, as the story in the beginning and as long well as it continues, uh, as we meet more and more characters and start getting into the. Um, I forget what their names are now, but the people in this world that have powers, Marek, it's not that, but something like that. Um, oh, Marsak, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I was—I thought it was Mosak. Mosak, that is—that is it. 
Yeah. Um, M O S A K. Yeah. With the mm-hmm. with the final spelling uh, or with the final letter being K, it's kind of cool fantasy vibe, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. They uh, like magic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> a little arcane, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so all of these all these fantasy elements, like the people that have the powers, the animals that we see, they are they are drawn and imagined in a very cool way. There's a there's a scene where he goes to the Mosak Temple, and it's uh, you know it's one of those like floating rock kind of kind of temples. Uh, that's cool. The, the Piper guy is cool. The different people, uh, the power expressions and, uh, geography. And it sets up a really interesting premise, right? That they, they accomplish something way earlier than I thought they would. And that actually is the story that they have to transport this, this guy, they, their enemy, they can't kill him, but yeah, the the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who I think also might, I doubt it's stuck, but he kind of turns around for a second in the middle of the in the middle of the story. I doubt that. I doubt that held. But yeah, yeah. You you mentioned uh, fantasy stuff. We have mm-hmm. talked about this before, and the only thing that I could think of that's done it pretty successfully too that we've reviewed on the show was that book, Last God. Mm. That also did it very well. Where it was instead of a lot of times um, these types of stories that are so well kind of um, fleshed out mm. and defined. Mm-hmm a writer will attack you with all of it at once, yeah. which makes yeah. it feel incredibly impenetrable and like, oh, I have to do research reading for what I'm enjoying reading. This doesn't make any sense. And there's like, no emotional touchstone to it for you. Not at all. You know, because you don't this, live in it. Yeah, yeah. This started with a letter from a father to a son. or no, from a son to a... Yeah, or just a, like about his father, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was Adam writing the letter about his father. Yeah. And then we right. learn his father's choices and stuff. Um, right away, we have an emotional connection to all this weird stuff that we're now learning. And for some reason, that just really worked for me. I think I had told, I, I had messaged, uh, I had never read this before, even though I had the issues. Um, and Len had read it before once, right? Mm-hmm. I, I shot out, like, as soon as I started reading this, I shot out into the into our group chat, like, hey, give yourself extra time this week to read your books. Because not only is History of the DC Universe a dense read, this one is too, but this is dense in a good, this is also dense in a good way. Just like that is like they throw so many new words, new names, new kind of languages at you that you want to kind of spend more time with it. Yeah. Like I found myself yeah. spending more time with pages and actually rereading a lot of panels before moving on while I was reading this. Um, so this past Saturday was um, oh, Black Friday. I, it was also record store day, so I'll get up early and I'll stand in line at the record store to support my local business. I sat there for an hour and I read half of these four issues. It took mm-hmm. me an hour to slowly read them because I was just having a good time, like turning back two pages and being like, oh, he referenced this person who was talking to this person. Okay. Yeah. It, like yeah. I was really getting into just four issues. Four issues felt like a meal when usually with his superhero comics – it feels like an appetizer and right. I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I like this. I remember when I first bought this comic book because I I've had to trade for a while. I've had the first two trades for a while. Um, and th- first of all, let me thank you. No, because while I do have the first two trades, I've only really read the, f- the first trade. I haven't. So the second trade has been just sitting on my shelf is one of those books that, you know, I, I know I'm going to buy, so I bought it, but I haven't gotten to. So now this is inviting me to read that. But 
I remember reading this, um, and at the time that it came out, Game of Thrones was still hot. Mm. Right. It was still definitely a thing. So I was definitely in the vibe for, you know, some high concept fantasy and seeing if I could find that in on the comic book shelves, because it definitely is a place that it has its home in the comic book shelves all the time. And reading this, I felt I felt much like the first time when I when I uh, watched the uh, Game of Thrones, it was. The, the trappings were familiar enough that I could kind of peep like, all right, that's going to be the big bad. That's kind of like his hench. You know, this is the family. They're dealing with this. They're off on the outskirts. Definitely has like that fantasy slash Western type of vibe to it, you know. But the universe is totally new. So I've got to wrap myself around the concept. You know, this villain, as villainous as he is, his villainy is words. His villainy is just whispers in your in your ears, giving you what you you what you think you most des- most desire. Um, and there's an interesting line, and I, and I couldn't find it real quick about you know the difference between what you want and what you need. And I was like, oh man, this is this is like just the literature of of the of the reading was just like just knocked me back man so so much so like like you said no even though you're introduced to so many new different concepts and vocabulary in this book you are so steeped in it that you you trust the writer that he's going to explain everything to you and as long as everything is used properly you get the concept, you get what, you know, who the the magic wielders are in this land. You mm-hmm. get what are the actual curse words in this land, you know. You um and even when it jumps back and forth through history, you're right there with it because he's still giving you an idea of what this family is and, and the character of Adam and, you know, the it, it it's it's just so great and the artwork by um, Jerome uh, Pena. Jerome Pena is breathtaking, um, but I don't want to not give just credit to the colorist Matt Hollingsworth, who I think has a job because some some of this this I, I think he's the, the colorist. He may be yeah. the, the anchor, but I believe he's, he's colorist. The, the, the colorist. It's yeah. colorist. Um, some of the artwork, because of the line weight of the inks, might be hard to discern from one from one another. You know, to to, to discern the the foreground from the background. That's where a smart colorist comes into play. And Matt Hollingsworth just lends so much mood and and uh, tapestry and, and beauty to the coloring, but also helps define where your eyes should read yeah. uh, in your in your reading of this book. And I just thought this was a package that was like, I remember when I saw it in, saw it in trade in the, in the comic book store, I opened it up. I maybe looked at two pages, didn't even pay attention to the, um, the story. I saw two pages. I saw the lettering look spot on with the art. And I said, Oh, this is an easy guy. <laughs> yeah, Jer- and, and, and Jerome I have not regretted it. Jerome Pena is one of my favorite artists, but he's got this. 
I don't know how he's able to be both loose and incredibly detailed yeah. at the same time. Yeah. But he is. Yeah. Like his his lines are incredibly loose and they don't always connect. Yet everything he draws is so arcanely detailed that it's mm-hmm. it's wild. So having the right colorist would turns that from art to mud, right? Or the wrong right. colors. The only other colorist that I could think of that knows how to work with Jerome Pena is um Dean White. So Dean mm. White did all of his colors for when he was working on Uncanny X-Force and mm. all of that stuff too kind of was able to take those loose pencils and, sh- you know, not get mixed up in the foreground and the background and show you exactly what, like, just this stuff is awesome. There's, there's, um, I love Rick Remender. Um, I'm a very big fan of his work and I, this is the first time I'd read this. This not, so far, this is not my favorite thing of his. But I think this is the best written thing of his that I've read. Mm. I am, just as a like, counterpoint. I'm not a big fan of, of Rick Mander. Um I like well, uh, the end. <laughs> well, but that's to say, like, but I really <laughs> like this book. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so even if you're not too into it, um, like he wrote The End League, I thought was good. But he also does something in there that I'm like, ah, why? You could have gone this way and it would have been really cool. It's your own story. You tell the story you want, but I'm just disappointed I didn't get to read that. Um, but I enjoyed. I haven't that. read this yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you'll really dig it. I thought it was a really good story. Um, I actually have all my so my the, my desk set up as books atop as opposed to over here. All of my Rick Remender stuff is right here. So it's like Fear Agent, Tokyo Ghost, Black Science, and this. You know, I haven't read any of those, so I might like I might like those. I'm, I mostly have read I'm actually stuff. I'm actually halfway through um, the second edition of Black Science. I think you would really yeah. like that. Okay, I mean, I'd be yeah, open. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like a it's Fantastic Four, but it's like hard science Fantastic Four with that sounds cool. Not awesome people. There's anyway, not awesome okay. people. I, I I wasn't a big fan of Black Science. I forgot that he did Fear Agent. Fear Agent was a lot of fun. Yeah, I got that too. Um, uh, speaking of the art, though, I find. Eh, I don't know if it's only the art or if it's part partially the story, but there is a it's a different kind of fantasy, right? It has almost a uh, like a tech science fantasy feel, you know, whereas like there's no orcs. There's no there's none of the characters that you're familiar with from fantasy. Um, and there's a, the, the God of Whispers kind of looks a little bit like Zorn from uh, the X-Men yeah. you know, back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what were you going to say? Now? Oh, no, I'd like a. Uh, I know it's not the right terminology for it because magical realism is something different, right, right. but there is a yeah. realistic kind of aspect to the way that they treat magic here. There is still engineers, there are still mechanics, there is still machinery, yet there is, it's all kind of imbued with the magic. So like, um, what is it, Adam? Adam oh, he's, Ositis? Adam, oh, I said his, Ositis, yeah. Uh, his, his whole, his Mossack ability is to commune with the dead, but he does it through nails which are bullets bullets imbued with with blood of fallen and pure souls and whatnot and he's able to commune with them as he's shooting them at somebody so like it's this weird juxtaposition of of you know western technology just a fucking rifle but with kind of this this um this sense of magic and then the other thing too was the character designs are wild yeah we have a giant alligator dinosaur named Drawbridge who has yeah. a big old apparatus to open his mouth, which they walk through because it's a portal. Right. Weird, yes. crazy stuff in this book. Yeah. 
And uh, there and, is and a like, goblin. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say they, they, I forgot, but one of the characters is a goblin, which is a common fantasy character, but he certainly is not, you know, the prototypical typical goblin. goblin. And he's the last of his right. kind, which is an interesting... There's a lot of world building in here that is just... A lot, yeah. You know, like, you don't need to know that story. You don't feel like you're missing anything. Maybe they'll get into it, but... Um, yeah. yeah. Also, the the other character, um, Patchwork, mm-hmm. who's Patchwork. Oh my god, it's my favorite, dude. Mm-hmm. My favorite. An amalgam of a bunch of different body parts of her kin that she's able yeah. to just like kind of absorb. And she was killed mm-hmm. along with all of them, and that's when her abilities surfaced, which caused yeah. her to be essentially yeah. like tossing somebody in pieces into a mass grave, and she rose up yeah. as pieces of her kin. This there's. Some interesting stuff. And their Eve, whole relationship with every one of these characters, you know, is completely unfair. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. There's so much there's so much to chew on in just four freaking issues. Yeah. So this this series ends this year. Um, oh, this okay. is one of those books that had that takes like really long pauses in between arcs because the art is so intense and the and the creators are doing other things. Is it all? So opinion? like. Yeah, okay, cool. No fill-ins, cool. so that that also yeah. adds to that. So that's like, why it's taking so long. This right. book started what in like 2013 or oh, 2014 really? or something, mm-hmm. and they're just now ending this year with issue 17. So like, I think issue 14 just came out. 13 are are available, and so that what they do is like they will write and draw the whole arc, and then when it's done, they solicit it. So you've got like you know a two year break, but you'll get four issues in a monthly without breaks so this is about to end and i used to think like oh just 17 issues that'll be breezy <laughs> now having read the first four yeah. i'm like oh it's gonna be a complete story oh, that's good <laughs> to know. not gonna feel that's good to it's know. not gonna feel rushed i because yeah. this is one that i want there to be a you know a beginning and end to this story and right after i got done with it i was like oh that was it <laughs> there wasn't yeah. one more issue so uh, yeah. then I went on to see like well what else is available and I saw they were up to 17 um, so I had no idea about the rest of the scheduling reality behind that or that that was the end I'm glad to hear that that that's planned. yeah it's 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 ending and I'm I'm you're gonna have to like physically keep me away from owning this book in a large format because <laughs> this art is just oh so God. disgustingly good it's good oh my I was God. just looking at the scene I mean, just where a- this the giant guy appears that is this whole other realm mm-hmm. of existence that that's a great yeah scene. the piper brings this big crazy yeah. thing like what the fuck is happening the, the piper. piper the piper wouldn't even touch I know, the piper right? that dude oh yeah is he opens cool. up he's just got nothing but flutes yeah what's happening this is, this is a good book and he's another this guy that a, looks like he could be in like i could see him from a sci-fi in a sci-fi movie about like an expansive galactic yeah. empire you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, and even the guy that he brings in is this very like sciency kind of version of fantasy, like we were talking about earlier. But oh yeah, the Piper and the reveal about his relationship to the to the uh, yeah. Mud King. It's pretty cool. There's a the Mud yeah. King. There's a lot of cool stuff. This I I can't. You know what? It's hard. It's hard to imagine. I I remember when you said this that this was going to be our book club, and you'll put it out there that this was. Um, you know, the first trade is only four issues. And I was like, is it really four issues? Because I just remember how dense it, you know, it is. But it really is four issues. And when you think about what happens, um, like, you know, no, no shade, but 
if this was Brian Michael Bendis, <laughs> we would be on issue eight before they get the Mud yeah. King. Oh yeah, that happened. I mean, that happens in the second yeah. issue. There's you no deconstruction. I mean? There's no deconstruction here. It's it's literally just. Yeah, this is this is this. I I loved this. I would recommend it, but I maybe wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Yeah, it's a mm, very specific yes. type of story. It so is. if if yeah. somebody if somebody's just like um, doesn't do magic, isn't a fan of something like Game of Thrones, only mm-hmm. prefers superheroes or crime books, this might be a real hard sell, especially this first four I issues. I think so too. Like getting through the first issue is an effort. And then you're in, but you know, learning yeah. everything right off the bat, it's I, it, I would be hard pressed to like put. Also, so like, I, I like, I don't think my wife would like this. I think she would like it if it was a movie, but um, the format of it, I don't think. I mean, it'd be great. Speaking of, I got to put my ring on. <laughs> um, there, yeah, another thing that can make it difficult, right, is you don't know, uh, you don't know who the main character is going to be in the beginning. And that has a, a bit of a destabilizing element that sometimes for stories can be like it, it makes it a little harder to get a handle on what the story is. So if you're not as invested mm-hmm. in the type of story that it is, then maybe you wouldn't go past yeah. the first you know, half issue or whatever. Yeah, the the first chunk of the issue, you meet Adam's family and then you don't see them for the rest of this volume. Right. Like Although his, his was, daughter, the, was the daughter was the, in the, the hunter and stuff in one of the scenes? Is she following them? Mm. I don't think so. Okay. okay. I didn't see her. I didn't see it, but, but that, that kind of, that kind of setup though, makes it feel even more a little bit like Game of Thrones because at any moment, our main character can be killed. Right. Mm -hmm. And the story would still progress without him because it's a larger kind of conceit that they, that they opened up. It's just the house of Osiris. Right. It can be literally any member of it that I wouldn't even be surprised if like, between issue 10 and 11, there's a 10 year jump. I don't know. Like this, this could literally kind of, like they've, they've imbued this narrative with so much stuff that they could do anything. And I like, I'm sure I could guess how it all kind of ends. X will die. X will win. But how they get there, I, I actually, I'm, I'm not, they could do anything. It's cool. The, the one little, kind of real little thing is, I don't know what this shape is in, the beginning and the ends of issues, right? That they show it's the mm. same shape and they show, you know, just something from the issue. It's cool. You know, it's a, it's a pleasing shape I to, and I like it. Does it, does it ever, does it ever change? I don't believe it's so. the same shape every time. I think it's the exact same at, shape. At yeah. first, at first I thought it was numbers in this language. That's so like what I thought one, too. Two, yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. Like it kind of looks like a four a little, it gives you a little, mm. you know, I believe there, it's the same. Does it look like, so uh, all the Mossacks that are officially Mossack have kind of a logo that we don't really ever get a full view of. Like it's almost like a badge X-Men type a logo, like green with black on it. Oh, I didn't Is it that. their logo? No. Well, the, cha- the, the shapes I, I am looking at it now. Wrong. The shapes do very change. very different from each other. Oh, well, then it's numbers. It's got to be numbers now. So, so it's yeah. got to – it could be yeah. numbers. It could be numbers. I don't have my copy in front of me. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're not even They're not even similar. They're like a similar style. They're not <laughs> – <laughs> You remember what I said 10 right. seconds ago? Dude, I was wrong. The opposite I was just wildly <laughs> yeah. wrong. Was Let's go back. <laughs> 
It's just, I mean, look, man. I think you're you're right, though. I think in a, another medium, this would this would yeah, kill. this would be a good movie, right? you know. Even yeah. even if it was just like a like a two D uh, anime style animation would mm-hmm. be rat. Or like I'm thinking more like Frank Frazetta style animation, not necessarily Ooh, not necessarily like. So when I when I think when I think anime, sometimes I think hazy backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Like. The DC animated movies do that all the time, and it pisses me off. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, hired somebody yeah. to draw those backgrounds. Why are you soft focusing everything? <laughs> pisses me off. Right. I just thought um, they drew them. I like wouldn't that. want that. Much harder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's just it's light pencils. Let's just yeah. blur it out with yeah. Vaseline. Yeah. No, I could. What I could see. What I could see is I could see them taking the technology that Disney is using for the Mandalorian and the way that they are doing their shows, basically building them in this filming them in this huge set in the, you know big room w- with all these you know like you know w- walls and the scenery more or less just projected on there what do they call I it? could see this done I could see seven um seven to eternity done that way they call it something it's it's um it's not the void the massive the like they call that set something it's the um, oh yeah they do I, it's I it's essentially just 360 mm-hmm. 6k definition screens and then they put a little set in the middle and just like put the background that's awesome there. i didn't i didn't know that oh yeah do you oh, have yeah. hp do you have disney plus i do yeah oh i did i didn't watch oh, it they, got a, they got a they got a making of very cool yeah though. yeah all you have to do is watch the making of of the filming don't like don't bother with okay. like i mean they're all great but if you want to know what we're talking about i think it's like episode three or four that just talks about the technology that they created oh, it's episodes i didn't i thought it was just show. one thing i thought it was like a no, it's, yeah, because they like, go through like the whole creation of oh, the okay. series and all but that. But the 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 massive, I think it's called the massive. Um, that sounds right. They like it's wild. They ninety percent of the show, even though it takes place outside, is done indoors in weird, crazy ways. That's cool. It's very cool. Hmm. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a layered <sighs> story. This you know, there's all these the the, the reason that the Osiduses are against the Mud King and what could happen otherwise and. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, uh, different pulls on Adam by the end of the story. It's a uh, very engaged. Is- oh, even this game that they play, like oh, yeah. you don't know the rules, you don't know right? what it is, but it's hits enough touchstones that of a game that you can tell what that they're playing something, and it's it's well done. It's a good it's a good glimpse into a game that he made up. You know, there's uh, I I don't I don't think I have any. I have nothing negative to say about this. It's just kind of boring. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> this was just wonderful. This was just wonderful. No, I don't either. I, I absolutely do not. And I don't want to even go too deep into the story because I want people to pick this up yeah. um, because I think it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal comic book. It's yeah. great. It's great stuff. And it, it, it won't take long to catch up everybody. It ends this. Like nope. if you, if you want to get caught up in real time, there's three trades available that, ha- that cover the first 13 issues. And then issue 14 literally just came out in November. By February of next year, it's going to be over and you can catch up with it in real time. It's awesome. Seven to eternity. Ladies, ladies oh, yeah. Seven to eternity. Out. Uh, oh, here. <laughs> JD did chime in with what he thought or so far. He didn't finish it. I really wanted to read seven to eternity, but looked at the amount of text and fell asleep. <laughs> He's had a very long weekend. <laughs> he has. He has. So, you get this opportunity. 
But those are all the books that we covered this week. Um, uh, yay! Yay! Now, did you want to do some cutter talking? Oh well, I mean, just for a, a quick moment, we don't have Let's to do it. go long on it because we we. You know, this was supposed to be a quick show. Lady. <laughs> it was. I don't really. This was supposed to be a real quick show. And the and so many good thirty-second thunder rounds lasted four minutes apiece. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like two minutes apiece. Yeah, that's our signature style. We don't do anything quick. We just do it fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we do it for you. Um, the one, just one thing, I just wanted to the pick up on was going back to the other history of the DC universe and one of the most rewarding aspects of reading that book was to get this other perspective on some of the historical things that have happened in um, DC and comic book history. Um, I especially enjoy the the commentary because you're, you're getting like the, the inner monologue of black lightning as you learn in his story. And I enjoyed his perspective on why he turned down joining the justice league originally back in the seventies. Um, this happened around 76, 77, 78 in that, in that, and that is what happened, right? Period. Like that, that is a story that that okay. is actually what happened in the comics. Um, as, and it's not a spoiler because it's told in this book as well. Um, and it's a comic that happened 50 <laughs> years ago. Um, the Black Lightning already being a superhero, already having his own comic book out there, um, is and also, I believe, if I remember, already having met Superman at this moment. Um, because he works in, in Suicide Slum, which is like a, a like a part of Metropolis. Um, he is asked by the Justice League to join them by way of three Justice Leaguers pretending to be villains to test him to see whether or not he is worthy to be a member of the team. And then after he, you know, defeats these these villains the justice league go and have a conversation about okay well he he passed that test do we want him to join well are we ready in 1977 78 to have a black guy on our team was that um, in the original story too that's kind of alluded to in the original story don't get me wrong don't get me wrong they don't they're not going to hit it on, they don't hit it on the head as hard as you would now, but it's in the original is story. Is it done in such, is it, it like a, is, is the world ready for this? We want to do this kind of thing or, okay, I got Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, Black Lightning basically saying like, you know, you know, deuces on y'all, peace out, fuck y'all and I'm out. And, but you're never really given his point of view. And I remember reading that comic book and I was maybe 10, 12 years old. So I wasn't, you know, you know, uh, you know, a graduate, you know, a <laughs> comic book historian, anything like that. Um, and and I was also someone at 10 or 11, to be honest, wasn't 
as acutely aware that I wasn't seeing myself in the comic books. I was still kind of like lost in the whole idea of like, I like Batman. I like Superman. I like Wonder Woman. You know, it didn't even dawn on me that there were white, they were white guys. But I remember reading that story because I was collecting Justice League. I was also collecting Richie Rich and Archie, but that's a side story. But uh, I was collecting Justice League and I remember saying to myself, well, why are they testing him? He's already a hero. Why, why, why they got to test this guy? And it never even dawned on me because I just wasn't, you know, well read enough at that time to like what that speaks of, you know, um, America's viewpoint on black, black, black people and black men, especially. And, I like that this book and probably let's face it because it was written by a black man. John Ridley is a black man gave voice to that and reading that in this book. I was, I was immediately reminded of how I felt when I read that story and it was like, yeah, I feel that same way. Yes, exactly. And, and, and black lightning is feeling like how insulted he felt about that you know he speaks about the first time he met superman and how superman is kind of like just floating in the air above him you know what i mean um and like you know who the hell are you you know what i'm saying and like yeah you can fight luthor and you can fight this and you can fight that and yeah you can get in the ring with muhammad ali but you can't come down here to suicide slum and maybe help build up a bigger building you know um you know build up this daycare i I thought that was an interesting i don't know if you made that point in the original comic but in action comics number one that is exactly what superman does is my understanding like he knocks down some slums so that they build up some other slum. I don't remember the story. I've just heard it referenced. So I thought that picking that example in particular was kind of a like mm-hmm. Superman used to be more of a crusader for change in his very earliest appearances. And, you know, I, I just thought that that was an intriguing uh, particular example to bring up there. And you know what? And that probably would make sense if, 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 if you're talking about going back all the way to the original action comics yeah, yeah. number one. And because of you got to remember who created mm-hmm. Superman, mm-hmm. they and the lifestyle were, that they were living when they created this this image of like this uber uber yeah. guy. So like like he would you know the, these were two young Jewish you know uh, yeah. boys who yeah. created Superman, fairly poor, you know, I believe. Were, yeah. Apparently poor, you know, so yeah, they would create this hero that would come and change their circumstance, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So uh, that absolutely makes sense. Now, fast forward 40 years later, and Superman is the icon of this this uh, company, and, you know, oh, we're not, he, he's not used right. for that. We, Much we more status quo maintained kind of guy, exactly, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, I, th- that was the one aspect of the other history of DC Universe, which I think is definitely its goal yeah. that I really, really appreciated. And it just really hit home with me, especially like I mentioned in our review, because the book sounds like it's Jefferson Pierce talking. It, it sounds exactly how it was like it, it was almost like how I would have said it, how Randy would have said it, you know. There's, um, there's a, I, I, I really appreciated it. I didn't articulate it very well in the review, but there, like, to me, the, the biggest conflict of the book and the 
the biggest conflict in the book, especially in Jeff in Jefferson's, is the the expectations and the the pull of of black excellence, right? Like mm-hmm. even even as he embarks on becoming a vigilante hero, he's constantly uh, done a disservice as to how he's being compared to and or portrayed, right? In in the public eye, past his neighborhood. And that's the only thing that he can focus on. Like, even though he's winning over this neighborhood and his students, it doesn't matter because there's always this other expectation that's forced on him. That's a different metric to everyone else that doesn't share his skin color. The the mm-hmm. idea that, you know, Batman is not considered uh, a pernicious vigilante, yet he is. What's the difference? Hmm. Or, Batman's you worse. know, when other members... <laughs> Batman yeah, intentionally right? strikes fear. And that's why he dresses as a bat, yeah. you know? But yeah. he doesn't. he doesn't get nearly as much you know, terrible coverage as black lightning does same with the, the induction or like the, the, the invite offer, right. Um, they intentionally, uh, try and fool him to see if he'll either give up cave or can't do it. Like can't, uh, beat these fake villains. And Mm -hmm. then they deliberate on it as if, as if my actions and how I've conducted myself over the last decades aren't enough, you're going to give me some shit about how you got to now, now you have to have the discussion. Right. Well, was that an intentionally yeah. Which, done thing in the original, in your, you know, in your recollection or opinion in the original story? Was it like, I mean, cause that has happened with like the Avengers, I think did the same thing to Spider-Man, uh, like fake fought him to test him out or whatever. Was it in the original story presented with the societal overtones that that the later I don't think it, have? Okay, no, I don't think no, it matters. No, I'm, just, actually, I'm curious as to. Well, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, and and my answer, my answer is, I don't think it matters because what happened in earnest forty years ago uh, against the lens of current or or different perspectives is really all that matters. Well, like I didn't know if they were maybe, being very self-aware 40 years ago and, and the writer I don't was, think that because it was in the seventies. No, they, no, they were, have, they were know? reflecting norms. They were reflecting yeah. racist norms. And it, not and it was necessarily not being racist, it, right? It was the, whoever was writing. Justice no, League. no, no. This was a justice okay, league. Right, Con- right. This was justice league. So I believe it was Jerry okay. Conway. Yeah. So it wasn't, it's not like it was um, intentionally awful or, or othering. It just, the way that they perceive the situation is a different expectation based off of somebody's race or ethnicity. Oh, no, I wondered which, if they were intentionally yeah. showing no. to try to tell a positive, you know, like, it shouldn't be this way kind of thing in those days, you know, at that time. No, I, I never okay. got no, the impression. Yeah. No. Uh, no, no, they okay, weren't. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They weren't. And it makes sense so much. I mean, I mean, the more I think about this stuff, the more more it bothers me. And ladies and gentlemen, um, we are talking about the other history of DC Universe, which is a new book that is out in comic book stores right now. Issue number one, which tells the the uh, history from 1972 to 1995 of Black Lightning in the DC Universe. So this is not his publishing history. This is the character's history in the DC Universe. You see his his origin, you see his backstory, you see his first coming up against um, meeting uh, other heroes in the DC Universe, and you get his perspective on what it was like to be a black man and a black superhero in the DC Universe from 1972 to 1970, 1995. Um, it is written by John 
um, Ridley. Ridley, who was an academy, Ridley, who was an Academy Award winning um, screenwriter for, um, for what for twelve years for uh, twelve years. Oh, I didn't realize he wrote that. Yeah, yeah, uh, Twelve Years a Slave, which was di- directed by Steve McQueen. Um, uh, he is, um, yeah, and he's in a, a very accomplished uh, writer. Um, he's going to be writing some Batman in in twenty twenty one. And this book, which is not a, it, it's a kind of like a prose novel type of thing. You know, these other history books that that, um, Marvel and DC have put out over the years, it's done much that same style with layouts and, 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 and print um, uh, gives Jefferson Pierce, AKA black lightning's perspective on the DC, DC universe. Um, And it is a phenomenal read. Uh, I enjoyed it a, a great deal. I, I spoke in the review about how much I didn't realize that this was um, Jefferson Pierce is kind of like Batman. And it really hit me because over the last few years, and I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to not be Bat Trouble. I'm never not going to love Batman. But over the last few years, it has, and I know they'll never go there, but it's bothered me a little bit there's at least as far as i know so correct me if i'm wrong randy um batman very seldomly do you see him working on the micro level it's always on the macro level and this guy jefferson pierce is all about he elevates himself out of his circumstance he becomes you know the best that he can be as far as an, an athlete, as far as, you know, um, a teacher, a, a teacher and it's, it's intelligence. And then he does what every black person is taught to do. And every black person of renown um, right now is doing, he is paying it forward and reaching back and bringing in bringing up those behind him and he is stays a teacher he turns around the circumstances of the kids in his in his neighborhood um he develops programs that can be taken and used elsewhere to to have to see the fruits of his labors in other cities he is um you know, staunch in how he wants to raise his his children. And I think that it is only through the blindsidedness of the people that have uh, been called upon to write his story over the years that the character was not get, given his just due. And it's it's very it and it is it's so well illustrated in that this book details his entire history and you can it has to jump through hoops to make excuses for about how he all of a sudden left the scene but he left the scene because he was doing the goddamn work i'm sorry i I, i'm no i could get into my bag really about this shit man because this was this is for the first time, and I don't give a fuck what everybody says about Black Panther. This is the first time that as a black American man, you can see 
so many stories really illustrated in the comic books. Also, um, you can see his you know, skin. You know, I mean, Black Panther's got a great oh costume. And I know the reason yeah. why they changed it, and, and that was probably what they had to do. But you he's you can see that he is a black person, you know. And 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 I'll be honest. I'm someone who has joked over the years about the whole idea that black that Black Lightning's first costume was a mask with an afro. Like, why does he have to have an afro mask? Um, even though in the comic books and 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 even reading in the Back issue, everybody read back issue magazine is the best magazine about comic books. Issue 114 gives you the whole history of black heroes as well as black lightning. And there, Tony Isabella, the creator of the 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 book, a white guy, realized that you know a black man who is a teacher is going to have a more conservative look, but a hero is going to have a more flamboyant look. Thus why the Afro thus also the Afro helps protect his identity. As much as I joked about it, I was like, you know, that, that actually makes fucking perfect sense. And I can't, I can't get mad at you for that. I also can't get mad at Tony Isabella realizing that he was a, uh, a, a white man, an, uh, an Italian, coming up with really DC's truly only their second, you know, prominent black superhero, and really, I contend their most prominent black superhero because while John Stewart was a few years before, John Stewart didn't get his own book, and John Stewart quickly got put to the sidelines. Um, black Lightning was created and had his own book, but Tony Isabella realized that. I'm a white guy. I've got to at least get a black artist on here. And while he tried to pull, pull some artists from Marvel, fortunately enough, through um, through like you know the the auspices of DC, he lucked onto Trevor Von Eden, a very young black artist who he gave a shot. He loved his artwork and brought him onto the book brought him on to to draw this book and then it is trevor von eden who's one of my favorite artists of of all time a very slept on creator um who totally fleshes out that world and totally fleshes out the look of the character and and suicide slum and everything like that um yeah so he was always in suicide slum like he was always in metropolis oh yeah 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 he was always in suicide yeah yeah from the door, man. And it's only after Tony Isabella leaves the comic book, after the ninth issue, he he leaves the comic book. And that's because DC stole stole Black Lightning. We, we can go there if you want. I'll go there. Um, and then uh, Denny O'Neill and then soon Jerry Conway and other people come onto the book that the book just kind of like it, it loses its real sense, its real history, its real direction. Um, and it's only later after Black Lightning becomes like a backup and world's finest and all this other jazz. And it's only really when he joins the outsiders that he, uh, Batman and the outsiders in the eighties that he actually gets any real prominence that he, that he deserves. And, and he, but even by then he's just another hero. He's not the legendary. He doesn't enjoy the legendary status that he really should. And I thought that, 
as big as Jon Stewart probably is in the mind of people right now, as big as Cyborg is in the mind of, of people right now, as far as black representation in DC, I thought it was very, you know, um, shocking, surprising, but smart and just that the first issue of the other history of DC Universe features Jefferson Pierce. It makes the most sense, right? Like, I hadn't thought about it in the terms that you just laid out, but it seemed like, oh, yeah, Jefferson Pierce should be. Now, maybe that's because uh, of the TV show, which is which I really like. Um, mm-hmm. And he did. So, like, when I came into comics, he the Outsiders were were pretty much done. And he looks very 70s. You know, it's uh, unfortunate yeah. yep. that his costume is so 70s looking for so long. Uh, so my but I like that he's risen in prominence from about the like Brad Meltzer Justice League time yeah. and he's you know he's, yeah, he's kind of costume update he's um and he really has uh been elevated in in like kind of the DC pantheon I mean he's a main character in the Young Justice show and I, I think it's cool I mean he's a he's a cool character yeah it, it only took and I like and, and real quick real quick just on that I actually appreciate that in Young Justice as much in, in in its most recent season, as much as he is a character in there and a prominent character in there, Black Lightning's not the prominent character. It's Jefferson, Jefferson Pierce. Jefferson Pierce. Yeah, that's a good is point. The prominent yeah. character. Yeah, I enjoy that. I mean, it, it only took them thirty years to start actually mining him as a as a yeah. character of origin or an origin character. But yeah. yeah. Oh, what um, do you think about? I, Mar- oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh, just um, the idea of Mari uh, Vixen's. Um, presence in the book and how he reacts to her and how confident she is and how she has a different um it, she's very different from John Stewart and the fact that she is from Africa um uh, and and comes here i just i just thought that that was an interesting i don't know if that's always been I, part of her character but uh, it wasn't yeah. so i i like how i read it and and just in this issue it wasn't explicitly said but I got the impression that Jefferson thinks because she's she's all like, I'm going to I'm I'm out there. I'm going to do it. Um, he doesn't doubt her. And I think he doesn't doubt like he he says something to the effect of like, if anybody's going to be able to, like, pierce the veil, it'll be her for a couple of reasons. One, her abject confidence. Her She's she's absolutely gorgeous and just stunning to see. And. It's not said, but I do think that part of it is also her sense of exotic. She's exotic. Whereas if she was just born in suicide slum like him, she would be unnoticed. Whereas she comes from another place and and has a little bit more of a visual appeal to her because she's an she's an other. She's special, right? Exactly. As opposed to just exactly. being invisible. And I think it's, also, it's definitely with between the panels. It's not like explicitly said. But yeah. And also, like like you you also said, like the confidence that she exudes, which is because of, you know, her her upbringing um, is what's going to get her over. She doesn't have the baggage that he he yeah. has. Yeah. You know, he doesn't he doesn't he he's he's got anger. You know, he, he's fighting through that as well. Um, the the crazy thing about it, though, is that as much as she is put out there to to shine she doesn't <laughs> vixen also doesn't really doesn't really pop for reasons that you know are not within her control it's also 
all on the other side, man. It's part of the um, Detroit Justice League. I mean, that didn't help anything. You know what, man? <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's it's funny. It it um I was doing um triples on Thursday, and you know me and it was and it was primarily me and Randy on the show, and we were both kind of like we were talking about other stuff. Oh, yeah, I saw the world's finest both, triples. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, and we were both talking about how at at our heart of hearts, as much as we are big, you know, comic book fans, we are DC guys. And it's probably because, you know, it's the Superman, Batman thing. But, and it's true. And it'll always be true because, you know, it's, it's from your childhood. So it's now it's in your bones, right? But, man, when you think about, I know I do, and 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 reading Back Issue Magazine, I read the stories about how fucked up DC Comics has been over the course of its entire lifetime in regards to its depiction and its um its depiction of black characters and and let's face it sometimes its treatment of some of its black um uh creators, creators. man it is whoo Sometimes it is hard to be a fan because you read those stories, man. Shit. So this is my introduction to not only Black Lightning, but also Vixen. Um, after Infinite Crisis. Hey, um, and that's the Justice Brad League Meltzer, of America. Well, Brad Meltzer. Yeah. No? yeah, yeah. Brad Meltzer mm-hmm. took over Justice League. And the edict of the book was to actively expand the roster beyond like Trinity and the, the original seven. Two of the main characters that they do that with is Black Lightning and Vixen. And then this rolls out to Dwayne McDuffie taking over the book, which I have over in the other shelf for about 12 issues or so. And he expands Mm. those characters even further to the point where by the time James Robinson comes on the book, which is a much maligned run, they essentially tell him he can't have Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. So the main characters of the book are Vixen, Black Lightning, Arsenal, like it becomes a B team. Mm-hmm. And I read through all of that until it got really weird and crazy. <laughs> but that's my only real experience with these characters because I didn't watch uh, the the animated shows when I was younger. Uh, they weren't really I in. Didn't get in. They weren't really in any of those. Well, even even Vixen the new ones, was Vixen was even even the newer ones. I didn't. Oh, she was. You're right. Oh, that was great too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that stuff. With the Justice League Unlimited, you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, right. yeah. The the. the the funny thing about that is, as much as Brad Meltzer elevates light, uh, Black Lightning and Vixen's um, stature in his run, when Dwayne McDuffie comes on, he, I mean, because, you know, um, sadly, that's one of the, the last runs of his before he, you know, he passed away. Um, but it, the story is he got incredible pushback for the things that he was trying to do in that book. Um, and so much so that he literally had to like re- rewrite some of the stories on the fly because they would, they just wouldn't give him a free hand. And this is a guy who had already made his bona fides in the, in the comic book world. It made his bona fides in the animation world as well, as well. He had made, he had just as many, you know, um, just as many, you know, uh, rights to have free hand in writing his comic books as Brad Meltzer did 
when he did Justice League or when he first came into Green. He Arrow. hadn't done any bona fides. You know he was mean? a novelist. Ex- <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, yet they were trying, but they were like handcuffing Dwayne McDuffie. And he speaks about that. Um, and he speaks about how, how much he had to compromise on that run. Uh, so much so that as much as I wanted to enjoy it, I can't even enjoy it because I know what he really wanted to do. So that's Aww. why I didn't even collect it. I almost don't. I don't want to know. I, I want to know, <laughs> but I don't want to know. But I want to know because I I've been meaning to revisit. The, like, um, so when I got this this new uh, newer, it's a couple years old. Um, of those twelve issues, twelve plus issues of Brad Meltzer, and it even gets into like the Lightning Saga when Jeff Johns was on JSA and they crossed over cool. for a couple of issues. So like this. I was planning on rereading it sometime this year, probably going to be next year at this point. And I went and found, you know, like back issue first prints of the Dwayne McDuffie run with Ed Bennis. That's the next like 12 issues of this series. Cause I remember it fondly. I was getting it in issues at the time. Um, so you telling me that it could have been something even greater <laughs> makes me sad because he's never going to be able to tell those stories. Unfortunately, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Dwayne McDuffie stuff that we should all go back and read. Even his his very short run on Fantastic Four was some of the, my favorite Fantastic Four. It was only like eight issues, and he killed it. Uh, before, uh, I get the sense we're wrapping up. There's one piece of news, sad news. Um, did you guys hear David Prowse passed away? Uh, the oh, Darth Vader? Darth Vader act, you know, the physical Darth Vader. Yeah, I just saw that this morning. I didn't know oh, that. I did not, yeah. I did not hear that. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, just this morning, I didn't really see anything about causes or anything. Um, you know, he was an older guy. I mean, guy, he, was, he was very old. Yeah. He, was a, yeah. he was an older guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, so I just wanted to, to bring that up to uh, pay our condolences, our respects. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. well. Iconic character, for Thank sure. you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, uh, yeah, and, and it's the same weekend that his Padawan was premiered in live action, so... <laughs> I knew the Mandalorian was going to find his way. Good. Into I mean, show this somewhere. is not the first time I get five dollars in this show. I get five dollars. <laughs> oh, it was a good episode. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I, I like we've we've gone over an hour and two different streams this morning. Indeed. So we sure have. I could probably wrap. It Are up. you not entertained? <laughs> I am super entertained, actually. But my legs are atrophied. Fair enough. I should probably stretch. Fair enough. And I'm hungry. <laughs> Um, I, you know what, I, let's, let's, let's close it out. Um, so thanks for joining us this morning. We are here every Sunday morning at 1030 AM Eastern standard time to live stream our reviews of this week's pod or this week's uh, comics, as well as just talk about anything that we want to talk about. That's geek related. Please comment, like subscribe, send us an email, uh, correspondence, and we will talk about it during the show. Join us live if you get the chance and you can obviously be a part of the conversation. Um, I am available for events. I know you're not. No, you're uh, no, not. I'm Show not, that yeah. ring, bro. Ah! Show that ring, bro. Keep, keep, keep. <laughs> um, I, um, you can find me on social media, on Twitter, at Mr. Bartocci, B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I, or any of the cult pop feeds on YouTube and uh, Facebook, and I will uh, join the conversation there. Brian, where can anyone find you? Anyone can find me at brianleabdesign.com. Hey, and you can holler at a triple any place and every place that you find the black tribbles come out and highlight us. Thank you guys. Like subscribe, comment, hit the notification bell. So you can see whenever we put on new content, we will probably do some thunder rounds this week. And 
I mean, we already kind of have a preview of what's coming next week. We're going to talk about Bad Cat, probably. I mean, that's a, that's a given. And I think the new Marvel event starts next week as well. The King in Black. So we'll, we'll talk then. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day, and we'll talk at you later. Bye. Bye-bye.